My name's Joanne Averson, and you are so welcome to Series 3 of my podcast. Enjoy. So I am super excited to have Angela Farmer and Victor with me, and I'm going to give you all the details of their um, website and everything. And I just want to share that I spent last summer with them doing a women's workshop retreat with Angela. And I have to tell you, it was like going to heaven, seriously. And Angela and Victor are both doing a workshop in March in the UK. So welcome to the UK in March when you get here. How are you both? Well, we're all right. Yes. Um, (laughs) Victor's recovering from a virus, cough, and and today's the first day he's really looking better. I, I am <clears throat> trying to stay clear of it, and I'm feeling pretty good. I've just had a wonderful swim, <laughs> and um, the water was cold, but I swam hard and got warm. The sun was shining, and I could snuggle down deep between the rocks and find a little warm water, mm. and I felt in heaven. No doubt. Well, listen, I wanted to talk to you both anyway, um, and I'm glad to have an opportunity and be able to share with everybody that you're coming to the UK in March. So all the details of that will be below this uh, podcast and with the newsletter. But I had the most fantastic experience and it's carried on. So we we spent our beautiful time in your temple of light, I think we called it or you call it. And also the privilege of Victor's books. I have all four of them which are called From Inside Out, each one of them. And each one of them is a journey through ourselves, through our bodies. And somehow or other, I know you both work with our individual journeys and focusing on our own process of Inside Out. And yet mm-hmm. you managed to do that as an individual thing in a group. I, I don't know how you do that. What, what, what inspired you? Angela, will you tell us first about your experience of Iyengar and teaching teachers huh? and... Um, it was very exciting uh, to be honest because I had never met anything like that before Uh, having been raised in England and um, quite a conservative way where you don't do anything with your body um, that's almost a sin to think about your body and you give yourself to help others uh, of course, that has some good sides to it, but my body was very um, <clears throat> brutalized by surgery and other things. And um, <clears throat> I was struggling along. And then one of the things I said very near my first early experience was that um, it is totally immoral to teach if you don't practice and immoral to practice if you don't teach. And that struck me as very deeply. And also it gave me the permission to spend time with my own practice, with my own body. And in the beginning, it was all about achieving and Of course, as everybody knows, he emphasized asana. And 
so I was already used to doing things that were struggles. And so it, it was quite familiar. But I think by struggling to achieve asanas, I actually damaged myself further because my body was somewhat dysfunctional after all I'd been through. And so it took a long time to eventually realize that that was not the way for me. It, it had been exciting and very useful in the beginning because of giving me permission mm. to work on myself, but I had to find a different way to do it. And so my practice then became more about listening to the places that didn't function mm. or held pain old pain and fear that I had overridden before in order to achieve what was promised to be something like enlightenment, uh, whatever that meant, and to turn right around backwards, as it were, reverse into what was really happening inside me. So I think that's, uh, I am grateful to, I am deeply grateful because that's how I started. And I think for many people, you have to start a little bit on the outside because you have to discover that you have a body mm. and to know that what your arms do, what your legs do. And But if you don't make your own journey to dive inside and feel where the, the flow is not flowing, <laughs> where, you are, where you are holding onto something, um, you get stuck and the places that need your attention hide deeper and deeper and deeper and harder to get to. So the work has been a lot of undoing and unpeeling and being patient and overdoing and damaging again and then learning from that. And I think what I have found is that it, personally, that every part of my body is like a different person. And they all have their personalities their, um, and their moods. And one day they function and the next day they don't. <laughs> but <laughs> just meeting one place and spending time until that place starts to feel safe enough to open up is like regaining a friendship. And slowly, slowly, there are moments when uh, I feel, oh, yes, at a certain point of getting to know oneself, oneself actually disappears. So you have to go into the body to get beyond the body. Mm -hmm. um, that sounds like a grand statement, but it, it really works. But you can't do it all at once. You just go bit by bit into what shows up on the on the particular day yeah. and meet it again and again, day after day. But slowly, slowly, you feel more comfortable in living inside this body, however broken or dysfunctional it is, because you get to know it. So it becomes like a, a real intimate relationship. And then there are moments when, just moments when <laughs> you realize 
that you have no self. And then you, I just find I have a big smile that comes up from the bottom of me and I just can't stop smiling. But then, of course, the brain, the front brain kicks in and thinks, how did I get there? Um, how can I tell somebody about that? <laughs> and it's all gone. <laughs> Will they come when I tell them? Will they hear me? <laughs> I get so, it. I think in in a workshop, um, we 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 try to just be there for the people who are there. So it's different each time. Yes, and we get a feeling for the for the atmosphere and slowly what people are needing, and we can share what we know and what we have and what we see. But then it's more about creating a situation where people start to feel safe enough to listen into their own issues inside their bodies and be present with them. And then they get more confidence Mm. and their practice will evolve. So I think everybody's practice has to be different and probably different each day, but we all have our stories, our past written into our bodies. And it's this question of slowly unraveling it and letting it all fall away. It's not yet something oh you can do with your brain. You can't do it with no, your mind. It's way beyond reason. I couldn't agree more. And I think also that that brings me beautifully to Victor's books that I'm privileged enough to, to have one of each. Oh, my goodness. Treasure. And what I was so fascinated by, Victor, was it's almost like you managed to pick Toria. And those of you that are listening to this as an audio, just eat your heart out for a bit until we get this on video. And I'll, with Victor's permission, maybe let you see some of the images. But it feels like somehow the books are journals or kind of I like calling them journey books rather than journals that they tell a visual story, Victor, of your journey as Andrew is saying from the inside out as you call them from the inside out can you just say something about what inspired you to do this and what how vast the changes are because did you not both meet working with Iyengar originally and how long ago was that yeah I think in 71 we met each other for the first time in London when Iyengar was there but (coughs) Sorry. <coughs> before, that, before that, I was trained by Donna Holloman uh, to become a yoga teacher. And I told her I never want to become a yoga teacher. I just want to be an artist. And uh, But I, I'm very interested in, in who I am in the physical body and in the body as, as such. And Ayanga fitted perfectly in, into that category in the beginning to uh, make the body work and work and work. And when it's new, it's it's like every time is uh, very impressive. Once you start to repeat and repeat and repeat, it becomes a little bit more of a, like a routine job. But the challenge is just like in, in a marriage, in a relationship, in, 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 in yourself also, can you go deeper and deeper? And can you start to listen to what is really happening? And it's this listening part that as an artist was also very important because I never know 
what will come out when you put a pen on paper. I, I have no idea. And uh, most of the drawings are, are made in the beginning when Angela and I start to teach together and start to use visualization. And so visualization is, is a little bit like illustration. So it, it's, it, it, it gives you a uh, direction into where you could think that uh, this drawing is going, what, it, what it's trying to express. So I, in the beginning, the first drawings were always coming straight from our teachings. And then after a year, it started to change. It, it, it became night work. It's like you start to dream and wake up and have this wonderful idea about what it really is that you want to do. And so you start to draw it and try to draw it. And it becomes more and more like meditating, like looking at the dark place that is unknown and see what comes out of it. And I became a great friend of the darkness, of the unknown mm. and not of the known. Uh, because whenever you think that you know your body, like Angela said, as you go deeper into it, you go into a refinement of that's what you think you are or what you're feeling, and it changes. Everything changes. And that is starting to become the flow in yoga. And mm. the drawings are actually mostly coming into later and later into... Um, and a a um, depiction of the vision of being one, being in, in, in a bubble, being a circular expression of something. Oh, yeah. Would you say it's like it becomes a continuity and that through the moving into the unknown, it's almost as if there's an element and I think I experienced this in class with you Angela that each one of us melted into this whole group and yet everyone yeah. in the group remains individual with their own vision and their own unique way but there's yeah. this one this idea that the one and the all which is ancient teachings that of every stripe yeah. that obviously yeah. they make, that, that this, this is it that that um on the surface we are unique <coughs> We must own that side and mm. we must evolve that side and we relate to other people through that side. And so that is essential. But if we don't uh, unfold the deeper side, which eventually takes us to the sense of that you are all one with everything, you feel that you are just part of the universe. Um, uh, that comes from deep practice and deep getting to know yourself. I think some great uh, gurus, teachers say, just just know yourself. And that seems, oh, you know, when you've been raised in Christianity where you only have to think about Jesus and the crucifixion and all the sins you have, blah, blah, blah. Um, this is quite a shift. Get to know yourself. Mm. And to hear that when I was young, 
was, but that's a sin to know yourself, you know, leave yourself alone and go out and help people on the other side of the world. <laughs> um, so only by going back through this self and getting to know it and be with it and own it and stay present with it and see what it has to tell you or to ask from you, you can reach that place where actually the self disappears. And suddenly, it may only be for a brief moment, but you just know that there's nothing there. You just are one with everything. And it's so beautiful and so fantastic that you don't want to leave it, but you do. You it's inevitable. And you come back, and there you are, and you see, oh, I've got this old body again. Back in us. Uh, <laughs> the two seem very different, but they're completely like Victor talks, you know, there's the night and the day. Yes. And you can't have one without the other. And so in a way, we have to see how from our experience of going back into the night of ourselves, it enlightens us in the day. It really does. And as the body becomes more you that you own it and you live in it and even it doesn't it's nothing about perfection of asana i think that was one of the things that was most detrimental for me that by trying to do something to please a teacher or trying to perfect something actually did not solve anything it took me away from where i needed to go and letting go of all that and just owning that you are pretty helpless, you have a lot of pain, a lot of problems, your body's dysfunctional, and lots of other people can do asanas much better. Just letting go of all that mm. gave me the freedom to stay with what is and trust it. And then you then I started to feel more power inside, more. Um, yes, more, it's okay to be just who I am. And so, but the two must come together, meeting the dark side and then being able to meet the, the outside. It's, that's beautiful. And what, when you work together, both of you, because I know you're both very different, you've got very different styles, both extremely commanding and capable and in your own very distinct ways. When you work together, what happens? How do you do that? Because, of course, that changes all the time as well, right? Uh, it, it, it changes, and yes, it does not, because there is the trust. And I think... Uh, there's also the listening so that whatever Angela says, I recognize. And sometimes I'm a little bit like more into a different mental direction, a visual, visual direction that is, might be different. Uh, but we, well, the unity that we have between us is basically that we both think that it's more important that people themselves find their own pathway. Yeah. And not that we going to offer them the right way to do it. Because that's the only thing that always irritated me in a younger teaching, that it became communistic. 
It's like we all have a body, but that, yeah, we all have different differences, so many differences. We should not lose that personality that we are. We should honor that. And we should go into our own visitations of different states of mind and different levels of our being. Uh, and I think that even science who poo-poos religion is basically another religion that tries to penetrate into the unknown darkness, the highest part of the self where you dissolve, where you just end up in empty space out of which something is born. It's a miracle anyway. Mm. And they, they come to see that too. I mean, there's a lot of scientists who say, well, we actually learn more and more to see that we know nothing. You know, there are yeah. so many, many things that are have the same common thing. Uh, and, and there is the admiration for the reality of being, but not so much the reality of what already is, but what could be is also important for me. Yes. The creative part. Yes. Whatever you go into, whether it's art or science <clears throat> or religion, if you keep going deeper and deeper, you come to the same conclusion. Um, and as that saying, of all paths lead to the top of the mountain. But I think <laughs> all paths lead you to that place where there is no path. There is no need for a path because it's all the same. But the good thing is that when you follow your own, when you trust your own and let go of following somebody else and you begin to say, okay, I don't know much, but I know this much and this is real. And now let me see what else I can find. When you go that way, you begin to see what is behind all religions and what is behind all paths because you're getting back to that place where they all come from. Everybody's striving in a way, whether they know it or not, for, I suppose you could call it, yes, fulfillment or happiness in their different ways. But um, when you glimpse it, 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 there is no difference. It's all the same. But uh, working as a couple um, is interesting because you have to really let go of <coughs> taking people somewhere. So supposing you're a guide out in the country and, and you're taking people on a path, to show them some particular place or some part of nature, <clears throat> you have a certain direction and you get a little bit caught into that direction. But then when you, your partner opens up, but there's another way. <laughs> you, have, <laughs> you have to be able to let go. And I think we both struggled with that in the beginning. Oh, still, but... <laughs> still, still, don't worry. <laughs> But we learn much more to give each other space so that um, people could get a sense of one way and then a sense of another way. And, and many people really like it. They feel that they get something, and, it, and they don't even notice really very often 
who is talking or who said what. And there have been times when they come up to one of us and say, oh, that was so great what you said, but actually it was the other one that said it. <laughs> uh, they they feel safe enough to let go and just we try to just throw out help and for them to continue along their own path. Um, so I think we've become more gentle with each other, hopefully. So lovely. It's so lovely because... That, you know, when we think about it in yoga, we talk about Ida, Pingala, and the combination of these two chiralities, these two opposite spirals, as it were. Sushumna arises spontaneously. So, so it's like the response, the emergent properties. Just, I mean, it was my experience because I know you weren't necessarily teaching us in the retreat I attended in last year, Victor, but you were there and your presence was so clear. And when we when we had our gatherings, it was this exquisite balance of of support of each other and it it was just there was no competition between you and yet if either one of you was speaking it was so important and I think what you embodied for me was this well I'll tell you what stuck with me and it, it was it was a drawing that I found myself doing without I didn't know again as you said it's this unknown thing what would emerge and I, I ended up drawing myself sitting on my mat as if my mat was like the yellow brick road going out in front of me. And written across the front of the mat was words you said from the Bhagavad Gita about better to do one's own dharma imperfectly than follow another's perfectly rather die than do someone else's. I, I know I've quoted mm-hmm. that wrong, but it's yeah. the and, and I did all the letters standing up and it, it's just stuck with me throughout the, the trip that this lightness of being is it's not automatic it doesn't you know it's all very well floating around the whole time but we have to, we're in earth school so you know we have to know what time of day it is to some extent and vaguely get on the yeah. right bus home and things like that but it's this ability to fall in love with the dark and and oneself and and give oneself that loving trusting you gave it both of you to us which gave us permission and what i'm i get the impression was a much gentler way than when you first worked with ienga however many decades ago that was in the 70s not making ienga wrong in any way thank god he he did the work that he did right because we need those boundaries we need those containers to say that's wonderful and that i'm going to grow on from that or i'm going to do something slightly different it doesn't resonate for me but you all gave us permission to simply deepen our presence our beingness as if we could sit in our own armchair of ourselves i, it, I don't know how you do it over that <laughs> weeks that's a lovely image you yeah. sit in our own armchair of ourselves. That's what exactly. Patanjali says. It's uh, mm. the comfort that you have to be comfortable in asana. You have to sit within yourself in a comfortable way, and then things come to you. You're not striving anymore. There's no effort. Mm. There is no effort in religion because you have what you have. And I remember Maharishi used to say that all the time. He said, Samadhi is always in you. It's just you can't see it all the time and you can't be there all the time because like you said you have to be in time sometimes and you have to make plans sometimes and you know you have to look at the future that is unknown and make it as if you already be there and claim it things like that are very confusing but there is thanks god the breath it's an inhalation 
and an exhalation. Yeah. So you go inside and then you go outside. And as you go outside, it's actually the outer world that breathes in who you are. And then when you breathe in, you breathe in the outer world into yourself. Mm -hmm. And this is necessary to keep the circle going, to keep the energy going, to keep the pump going that you are. And so it's important that you have a day and you have a night. And it's actually created by, and I come a little bit close to Genesis again, (laughs) (laughs) that God created, created light in the darkness, out of the darkness. So again, the darkness is the one that contains everything, and then the light comes out. And then later he created the sun and created the moon and the stars for, to give the darkness a little bit of a sign of there is hope of light, you know, things like that. And for me, the, 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 the meeting of those two is so important. And that you could say is holding uh, the inhalation in and the exhalation out for a little while to see how you have an evening where the day flows into the night and you have a morning where the night flows into the day. And these movement points see that they both have their place and they surrender into each other. So this yin and yang sign of the black and the white and to realize that, you know, we are all basically created out of this invisible force that we call the life force that created the Ida and Pingala and that created the action in you and that created the body. And then, you know, we have all these chakras and blah, blah, blah. I don't even want to talk about them because <laughs> it, it they're just places to travel to and they're, they're not really fixed things. They don't have their own color. They don't have their own sound. They don't... They say they have, but they don't, because every little cell in your body is a chakra in itself. So it's it's a very difficult thing to really pinpoint anything for somebody else. It's hard enough to pinpoint things for yourself because we have a slippery mind. It fades in and out. It's it's very interesting that we are not really things and that makes drawing so difficult it makes art so difficult for me to make at the moment paintings that are abstract they are very important that they are showing that the reality is vulnerable it changes when you look at it constantly absolutely it's not not fixed it's not the beautiful pearl in the earring of the Vermeer's uh, uh, pearly earring girl that stands out and it looks like a thing. And they, people break their head. What is this material? What did he use? Was that a real pearl or not? So even that, when you make it so precise and so exact and you go over that point, it actually transforms also. So the concentration, if you can allow people to concentrate on their own feelings and their own being, that's really the only reason why you want to teach. The thing is, we have a body 
And <clears throat> first of all, life outside can be very exciting, very interesting, very frightening, very demanding, and it can keep us easily busy for most of our waking time. And there is, um, not for everybody, but for many people, it takes quite some, maybe effort is not the right word, but it takes an intention to step back and give time to one's practice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just speak for myself. I know that I have to start with the body. And if not, the body has a way of collecting stuff, almost like a house or a room that's not being cleaned and you don't realize for a while. And then you find it's so dusty or so dirty in one corner. You have to do something about it. And the body in that way is the gift because by going in, going back to the body and going into some kind of a stretch or asana, you find where you have got sort of lost, you've caught back and pulled in, you've tightened up, or you've <clears throat> your body has an old damage or trauma that reappears when you actually go in. And it, it's a challenge because you have to stay with a place that is not comfortable. The mind is a whole other thing. It creates nice, comfortable places and nice little things you can do so you can avoid that side of yourself. So there is, um, it's not, it's not all about just sitting comfortably because you can probably sit comfortably in an armchair with enough pillows and supports and then do your meditation. But uh, personally, I find I really have to start by meeting a place in my body that I know will have receded, will have tightened up, will have held some issues, and meet it. And just meet that experience, which I call sensation. Pain, I would like to say, is when you move into a danger zone. And that's when we overstretch um, <clears throat> or when we actually damage ourselves without realizing often because our mind has jumped forward to the goal. And that's the difficulty with the goal of perfection and achievement. Mm. And so we see people's bodies and we see, oh, that's so wonderful. I want to do that. But we don't come from the place where we are in our bodies, we want to do what we see or what we know could be done. Yes. And then you have to go right back and just stay with that one little place that is not yet ready to let go. And by doing that, it takes you in to a meditation. It's a meditation in the process of action, the action being simply the action of unwinding, waiting until one place is willing to let go of another place, breathing and how to guide the breath into it. So there is actually quite a lot of work to be done. Mm. And, you know, we can talk about 
the blissful state of finding yourself one with the universe or totally comfortable in an asana. But it, it, it does come with practice and a lot of internal patience and observation and awareness. And it's very basic and anybody can do it because anybody can find a place in their hip or their shoulder or their knee or their neck or their back which doesn't flow easily and starting with one place. So that's what happens in the workshop is that we usually, we do give some directions so that people have a place to start from. They may go on from there. They may go deeper quickly because they're more experienced or they have less issues, or they may find that there's something that's going to keep them there for quite a long time. But that process is worth gold. Mm. I can say that again. (laughs) It really is. And I know for myself a little bit, I if I look through the drawings I did from the beginning to the end of the two weeks that I spent in Greece, the images are completely different. It's like, and then the experience of walking around, you know, when we were able to go out in the beach or the olive groves or down to the, wherever we went to the water, what, what happened was the cumulative effect of doing what you've just described so beautifully is that you become more like the awareness and less like the voice of ambition and perfection and drive to progress. You become in love with that silent wonder. And I think that restores a sort of childlike energy of awe and wonder. Mm. And then you find yourself in awe wondering about everything. And and uh, and I, I'm looking mm. at, a, at a lizard on a rock and yeah. absolutely mesmerized for 20 minutes. <laughs> no. Love- Whereas no. at the beginning of the week, I didn't have time for things. I was like, oh, for goodness sake, come on, where am I going? What time have I got to be there? It was all busy, busy. But by a quarter of the way through, it changed. But by the end, I just had a different relationship with time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well, maybe that's all we have. Yeah. Thank you so much. It is. The, the doing and the undoing are so important. Uh, yeah. We uh, in, in Germany they say we make yoga, yoga machen, as if you do something, as if you make tea or you make coffee or you make this. You're all the time making yoga, but to be in yoga is the only thing that you can do, and that's the only thing you can do is by undoing, by listening and taking time. It's a very difficult thing, the time business. But don't you think it gives it back to you when you do it? Somehow time yeah. gives back to you when you give it that. Yeah, yeah. 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 We always think like, okay, I have no time to do all these things I want to do. Yes, but that's not a reason not to sit down and do nothing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I want my listeners to do nothing for a while. And I, I really invite them to listen to this again and do it, listen to this podcast as if it was a meditation. Um, but I also want them to come to London in um, March because we've got the privilege of you two being here with us in the UK, which is so exciting. Saturday, the 18th, Sunday, the 19th of March, 2023. And it's at the Study Society Collet House in Hammersmith. And we'll put the details below of how you can book through Treehouse Yoga London at gmail.com, which is Linda Dantel, who is looking after your beloved Linda. Yes. So I can't wait you to be here. And I want to interview you again afterwards. It's um <laughs> it's one, I think it's one minute from a station, and I'm trying to remember if it's it's not South well, it's Kensington. No, it's not Hammersmith. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Baron's Court. I'm, I'm pretty sure because I used to go go there uh, a lot uh, when I was um, in the, a dervish turning, turning dervish. Um, that's where I learned the dervish turning. But um, you get off that train at Baron's Court and literally walk down a few a few meters down the hill to the big main Talgarth Road, turn left, and Collet House is almost right there. So if you're coming by public transport, it's very easy. I can't. I think, I think the the train strike is on Saturday, uh, but that's not the underground. But. No. So people who come from far away, they have to go on Friday if they want to be there at uh, that time. This is the only difficult part. They'll make it work. Yes, <laughs> we will. <laughs> okay. Much love to you both. Thank you for giving me your time. I love it. And we'll speak again. Lovely. Okay, no. Lovely yeah. to see you. You. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, darlings. Bye. <laughs>